Hello, and welcome to the Ecommerce Source Podcast. My name is Andy Solhoff. I'm here with my friend and business partner, Tim McDougal. Tim, how are you? I'm doing fine. I'm wondering where that big guttural hello came from today. That hello! Was, that was, that's that was, what we do. That was almost a Sunday, Sunday, Sunday monster <laughs> trucks kind of thing there. You know, I got my... Uh, you know, my media voice here, my my radio voice, we got to get going on it. Got to bring the energy as, you know, e-commerce, fourth quarter, getting busy. We just got to bring it. Got to bring it. Got to keep uh, the energy up here for the podcast for, for all of our listeners today. So today we have a really fun topic. It's actually a series of topics. It's fourth quarter and we want to go over our Q4 hot takes for Q4 2022. Oh, and we're just looking, there's, again, it's fourth quarter, everything goes crazy in the e-commerce community, everybody gets stressed. That means there's an increase in people shitposting, too, and Mm -hmm. putting hot topics and getting all animated about big debates on things. So what we wanted to go through is a a number of things that are out there in the air right now that are causing big debates and big discussion. And here's how we're going to do it. We're going to do, we're going to bring up what the hot take is. We're going to try and present both sides of it. And then we're going to, Andy and I may have different opinions. We're going to come out on where we think, is this a real hot take or is this an overreaction that's going on right now? Let's do it. Okay. So our first one, I'm going to put, I'm going to say what it is because you proposed this one, Andy. So I'm going to say what it is. Then you can launch off on your, on your diatribe on it. Hot take number one, Black Friday sales are stupid. This is something that I feel like I just like, I'm talking with, with clients all over and I just don't get the sense that for direct to consumer brands why people want to sell product at a loss or heavy discount for a loss that's stupid why would you ever sell something to to lose money I get it right you're going to acquire a customer you're going to make more money over time but you know my goal is to help my customers make money not lose money so I I don't get that uh, so people spend a crazy amount of time thinking up these wild schemes and you got to do your Facebook ads like this and you Google ads and you got your email and you're going to do this update to your website and make all these changes, you know, and you're going to maybe break even on this. I don't get it. So let's look at the flip side of the argument. Those who argue for this, they're not looking at profit on that day, right? They're looking at Lifetime profit. So they're looking at the, this is a cost to acquire a customer on it. Yes. So are there industries and businesses where this makes sense? And I'll also say that what makes it also stupid right now is because the the cost of media has gone up so much during this holiday because everybody does it. And because everybody does it, the level of discount you have to put in place keeps on going up every year to even break through. So that's what makes it difficult is just there's an arms race of everybody and there's there's still only so many dollars to go around. So the cost, you do acquire customers and you can get repeat. The cost of acquiring those customers during a Black Friday, Cyber Monday sale has gone up. And the math gets harder when that happens. So what categories would this, are there categories, Andy? Yeah. What do you think it makes more sense? You know, I, I love, I, Black Friday sales make sense if you're not the only brand. If you have a web store where you can uh, get somebody into, to your site and maybe you lose money on one SKU or a handful of SKUs, but you have good upsell options to make money in that transaction. In that transaction, right? Okay, that that might make sense. Another way where it might make sense is if you have a repeat purchase product. So if you're essentially paying for 
you know, losing money to get somebody to sample your product, but they're likely to come back within the next 30 days, I'll say, maybe less to get a second purchase where you actually are profitable. Um, so those are the two ones that stand out to me. I, I get that, right? Like if you can, if you're JCPenney or if you're whatever Macy's and you can say, oh, I've got this one item and I'm going to lose, you know, 60% on this sale of this one item, but you have umpteen other products that they could buy at full retail or a discount where you're actually profitable on the transaction. Great. But I just, I just don't, I don't see it. Is there so any here's, others that here's mine. Out? Well, mine is if you're doing it because you feel you have to do a Black Friday sale, which is, to be honest, a lot of the conversations we have of, we need to have a Black Friday sale. Why? Because everybody does it. If you're doing it for that reason, it's usually stupid. <laughs> yes. Because um, that's that. If you're doing it because now you've mapped out, hey, if we get a customer on a deal offer, which is different than a customer you get on a full price offer, right? Because the deal offer customers may never come back and buy at full price. You have to, some of them won't. But if you have the math and the stats and you've worked out your plan that says, hey, if I get this customer and it's gonna, I'm going to lose this much to get this customer the first time, but now I have them in my store and I have email and I know because I have a track record of I can get, I can get over the next 12 months, I can get five more purchases from that customer on average at this price mm-hmm. and I can make this, then Black Friday sales can, can matter, right? Mm-hmm. You still have to make sure you're not overspending on ads because ads are super expensive running up to this and you're acquiring those customers at a reasonable rate. But in those circumstances, if you, if you have the plan for what happens afterwards, the Amazon corollary to that would be the afterwards is, hey, I know I can move up my brand rank by getting this many sales this quickly. And because of that extra brand rank, I'm going to get X percent extra sales for the following four months, mm-hmm. right? Especially as I head into Christmas where sales are going to go up to. So there is, if you have a plan for what happens afterwards and how you make the investment back, mm-hmm. it can. But most of the time, to be honest, what I see is people doing a Black Friday, Cyber Monday sale because they believe they have to mm-hmm. and because it's just expected. And that's not usually a way that works out. And then you're just, you end up throwing a lot of money away on ads, making very little profit. And if you have no follow-up plan, yeah. You just kind of spent a lot of money when everybody else is spending a lot of money. You didn't differentiate or stand out or zig well, when and, they zag. And that's where, where I've, we have seen success on, you know, our Black Friday campaigns is where you already have an audience. So you've got an email list, 5,000, 10,000, 50,000, whatever you've got. And you're able, able to reach out to those folks using, you've already captured them, right? Yes. Or maybe you've got an audience built up on on Facebook so that you can retarget to just, you know, that audience, which is still going to be more expensive, but you're not going from cold to uh, cold traffic where people don't know who you are or to getting them yeah. to acquiring a customer this, this time of the year. Well, we should talk before we close this out. The other, the other way to use a Black Friday sales to your existing customers um, and you're using email and that way your cost of acquisition is really low. So you can discount some, still make some money, but you're basically at that point, you're going to s- slash your margin, but not go negative margin. But you're going to use that as a way to use your email list as a way to get an extra sale. And yeah, if you do a black, if your margins are 40% and you want to give a 20% off for a Black Friday sale and your customers know what's coming and you can boost your traffic during those days and get a lot of extra sales of people who maybe you're not a frequently repurchased product, but you can get them back for another purchase that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that can work a lot too. You know, and 
This is, uh, you know, Ezra Firestone. Um, I think, what do they go? They go 15% is the most that they ever do. It's the biggest sale of the year. It's 15% off. Like, yes. Okay, congratulations. And he can do that because he is Ezra Firestone. Well, right? but- I, I think the point you're making on this is that we, the other stupid thing about a Black Friday sale is if you go 50% off or 60% off or something yes. ridiculous, you're training the customer to be like, oh, well, we can get it 50% off. We just got to wait for the right time. Yes. You no. don't want to train people to only wait for the sale yeah, on it. Yeah, that's stupid. So, so, <laughs> hate you Black have Friday strong sales. feelings strong about feelings, this. opinions about our Black Friday sales. Well, it's also very cluttered, so it's very hard to get through. So your take is, I think I think I know your take. Black Friday sales are stupid. You, that's a true take. Ah, uh, yeah, that's what I believe. Yes, my take is going to be they are mostly stupid, uh, especially if you're doing it just because you feel you have to. Although I will make an exception for ones that have a plan for how they recover the sales afterwards. I don't want to say they're always stupid because I I have seen some smart ones. Mm-hmm. Of all the Black Friday sales I've been involved with, I think the majority have been on the probably on this fair to say on the stupid side. <laughs> if you're one of our clients listening, you did the smart one. You were in the twenty percent that was smart. But um, yeah, most of the time they're stupid because people are doing it because they feel they have to, and it doesn't it doesn't pay back out. They don't have a way to pay it back out or a plan to pay it back out. Okay, right. Topic on. number two. Hot take number two. Um, let me throw this one out there too. So hot take number two. Very hot topic. You can go in any any econ forum where all us e-commerce trolls hang out, and you'll see this. Uh, Facebook's decline is irreversible. It will eventually become irrelevant. That's the hot take of the moment right now. They, to back that up, so they have here's some stats behind it. They have they've had slower growth than Amazon and retail media for over two years. So if you're in econ, if you're in selling events or apps, Amazon doesn't matter, and retail media doesn't matter. Is that but if you're selling products, ad, is that just the ad spend side of things, or you're saying ad growth? Okay, so, so ad, ad revenue growth, growth. Yes. ad revenue growth on Amazon has been yes. slower on Facebook than Amazon for over two years. Um, I think it goes back a lot longer than that. It's been slower than Google since quarter two of 2021. So we're nearing two years of Google outpacing Amazon, uh, Facebook, and Facebook had a negative growth quarter last quarter. So now we're edging it where they're flat and then negative. So now we're edging into some dangerous territory there. The other things that focus and make this more new is, is uh, more a new debate right now is their management seems all focused on the metaverse, top management. That's There's tons of stories about Facebook insiders saying that nobody cares about ads here anymore. If you want to move up, you got you to do metaverse things in the company. The investors are rallying right now, and investor community on Facebook is increasingly hostile, saying Facebook has lost its way. Facebook, um, to me, so you can tell I added this topic in here. Uh-huh. Uh, Facebook or Meta, I should say, Meta keeps trying to respond to TikTok and TikTok's been growing rapidly and taking a lot of their ad share away. Uh, Every time Facebook slash Instagram try to respond to TikTok, they look like the old guy in the room, the old boomer who doesn't get it because they make a bunch of changes. It's obviously they're trying to mimic TikTok and they don't gain anything out of it. Uh, It falls flat, which means they're really not getting what's making TikTok work when they try and mimic it. So, um, and, and I also think there's an argument to be said that for all of the changes in privacy, mostly driven by Apple at the start of last year, right, where that was a major change in privacy, taking away the privacy and the data and the tracking that Facebook had was really their magic sauce. And they don't know what to replace that with. And it's made them a very pedestrian channel at that point. Um, they're still huge. Yeah. So that, what what's what are the counters, Andy? What are the I counters to Facebook? Is the, is the things that I'm looking at is that they're competitors from an ad standpoint. I I get that they they've turned their attention away from ads, but they're competitors from an ads 
perspective, okay, Google, yep, we got some performance max and some things that are that are you know could be stronger potentially than than what Facebook has, but Twitter, no, LinkedIn, no, TikTok, for certain categories maybe LinkedIn, but yeah, TikTok, no. I mean, and what's uh, and how, TikTok is gaining on them dramatically in ad spend right now, right? Yeah, they, but, yeah. Yep. So, I mean, that would be the one, you know, but. But they're know, still much smaller. They're still much, much smaller than Meta. Smaller. So. so, is it irreversible? I just don't know. I, I don't, yeah. I think, I think it takes maybe one, you know, strategic yeah. acquisition or some, some type of change to say that that's not actually irreversible. So, we're all, we're all like, you know, dumb and stupid in these cats. We're like, um, I like to compare this when we're following issues like this. We're like we're like dogs at home. Like you leave the house and the dog's sad because the dog is convinced you're never gonna come back. The situation's changed. The straight line is human left home, human's never coming home. You come back home, human's back home forever. Very happy. There's not a there's not a recognition of the current trend can change in the future oftentimes when people project these. So mm-hmm. saying that they're declined, they're it, they they've had a decline. I mean, yes. that's that's they've they're not the scary they're not as scary a competitor a dominant force as they have been yeah um is it irreversible it takes one big change for them to reverse back and get their momentum back i the right. question is will they and do they have the will or the focus to do that and and something that i as we're thinking this through talking this through is really a focus on a better product you don't have to compete with tiktok to create a better product for your audience yes now if facebook were to be a better event platform where they could sell tickets and they could do that or better private group platform mm-hmm. or whatever, right? Develop a better product and you still got the scale that can squash a TikTok at this point. Yeah. Not maybe not for too terribly long, but I just Or at least I, hold them off. Yeah, so it, I I agree with you. I think the focus is on how do they get a better product and how do they get more stickiness with their users. Mm-hmm. Um TikTok stickiness with their user, like when you go on, are you likely to lose track of time and get stuck there? This is not just, hey, us as users or anything else. The metrics will tell you that TikTok is a much stickier platform than anything that Meta owns right now. In an individual use, like in individual session, people spend more, significantly yes. more time on TikTok than... Yeah. But the, the I'm going to go get one more. Yes. I'm going to watch one more post. I'm going to look at one and more then thing. And 45 minutes later, you're is much more likely than on yes. And, on that, and that's just the metrics. That's been published. That's out there. The thing that I will say though, that stickiness as in terms of a use, like individual session, the stickiness of Facebook as a a utility into my social life. Into I have a friendsgiving this weekend. Mm-hmm. We're not organizing that on TikTok. No, you can't. Can't. You know what I mean? So there's people that, you know, I've have left Facebook and it's how we how we share social, you know, uh photos. Sure. Halloween, first day of school, all that, all that stuff. There's a lot of stickiness to Facebook. So the, the and the other counter I'll put on this, and even though I'm I'm pretty down on Facebook right now, <laughs> but the other counter on this is that Facebook is just still huge. And even if you say they're eventually become become irrelevant, even if that happens. It's going to be a while because mm-hmm. they just have such mass still right now. So, Andy, your take. This is a true take or, or overreaction? Overreaction. I got to go overreaction on it. I'm worried it's a true take. It's probably an overreaction just based on their size and they have time to turn it around. Um, in the near future, I think they, 
ceased. I think they continue to become less relevant in the near yes. future. But I, yes. I do think they're big enough. There's enough things going on there where they can figure out how to. I, I do think they need to focus on improving their core product, which yeah. is they haven't. I mean, it's not as good. Yes. Their their algorithm is not as good for discovery as TikToks. They have too many ads right now, which you know Man. we're we're one of. We're marketers. We run ads there. We ruin everything, right? Marketers ruin everything. That's one of the themes of this show. So, uh, but they have too much in there right now. Um, And they've got to figure some of those things out. Um, Okay. Awesome. Next next topic here. Um, Number three. Number three. So this has to do, this is an Amazon specific one, right? So, and for those not in the Amazon world, you may not have noticed this, but if you are in the Amazon world selling through Amazon, you notice this. Late in October, very late in October, they slashed inventory caps. And so every if you're a seller, you have an inventory cap, you can't ship in more than this amount. Um, late in October. So this is as everybody's shipping, making their final shipments in for the big holiday rush. And it wasn't just a little bit of a tweak. If you had, say, a cap of 240,000 units for a large, a rather large seller, you woke up and all of a sudden, within two weeks, your cap was down to 100,000 units. It wasn't a small tweak. Or if you're a smaller seller, like some others we work with do, your cap may have gone from 3,000 units to 1,000 units all of a sudden. Um, to the point where um, almost everybody we work with or have talked to has said they're right up against their cap right now. They can't ship in more inventory for the holiday. Um, if it had happened in July, they could have planned around it. But happening last week of October is a mess and a crisis and either people are right up against their cap or they're actually over their cap. The amount of inventory they have at Amazon is greater than their cap and they're frozen until they sell through stuff, mm-hmm. which means you can't adjust your assortment for what happens in the Christmas rush. Um, if you s- shipped in too many of a slow moving product, you got to pay extra and wait till those ship out, which is going to take weeks before you can ship. And it's just a mess right now. And so the debate is, Here's what the hot topic's about. I mean, that's just the reality of what's happened, and that's causing immense problems throughout most of the e-commerce community that sells on Amazon. The question is, is this Amazon being evil? Like, they hate sellers. I don't think that's the case, but if you go on the forums, that's probably the predominant view, is that Amazon's just evil and hates yeah. us all. Um, is Am- or is Amazon incompetent because they just couldn't forecast this, or are they just the victims of a bunch of things that happened that were out of their control? Your your take, Andy. I will I will say that Amazon is incompetent. Uh, <laughs> I I I struggle to go. That's that's pretty harsh, right? Like it's hot uh, take. It's hot take time though. So being harsh I, I, is okay. Just I'm gonna go. I don't think Jeff Bezos is listening to our podcast Amaz- yet. <laughs> well, Jeff, email me. Uh, let's do the podcast. Um, I'll say incompetent because you have all of the resources, information, data, trends, the most well-resourced company in the world, probably, maybe outside of Apple, right? Like Apple has got more cash, Mm -hmm. but um, Amazon has all of that for a a long time. A great data company. Yes. They have all, and they have all the data. They own all the data they're using to make their own forecast, right? right? And yet you come into this and you, and you cut uh, basically across the board, except for the funny thing is we have some new sellers they still have 10,000 unit caps, even though, they even though they're brand new brand and new. haven't really get a sales pattern up. Right. They, they don't need it. Right. So, right. yeah. So anyways, I'm going to say that they're, they're incompetent, that they should have seen this coming. They've actually made choices to cut their warehousing. They stopped fulfill, building fulfillment centers. They stopped doing different things. Yeah. The killer for this is, yeah, this, 
the last two years, they've had these crises where they've changed the inventory policy right as we hit Q4, and it's caused a major problem for sellers. This year, they promised there would not be the same kind of problems they were going to. They did, and they, they invested a ton since the, since the middle of the pandemic on new fulfillment centers and new warehousing and new capacity to the point where in mid-year this year, they said they actually had over-invested in capacity, had too much capacity. They'd never be able to use all the capacity they had in the near future and cut back on their construction plans. Thinking with the with the statement out to the press that they had they had over they had over they had way more capacity than they'd ever be able to fill, and yet lo and behold, we're in a capacity shortage again yeah. as we head into the holiday. So, um, yeah, I I will also side on this of there's some incompetence here. There are some things that are beyond their control. Um, in that, uh, well, somewhat in their control. They have labor union issues right now. They have unionization issues. They are have problems finding enough people to man their warehouses. Part of this, we think, is driven by shortages of staff at the warehouses right now, and that's more than more than actual physical space capacity. But also, they misplanned on their fall prime event. It did not have, they were relying on that to clear out space, and it was kind of a dud. Um, and so they missed the forecast on that. And lo and behold, having two prime days within three months of each other, they're not as impactful. Yeah. No figure. Yeah. Um, the second one doesn't make as, and the second one also being a month before, a month and a half before Black Friday, just kind of fell flat. And so they didn't clear out the inventory they needed. That was a miss on their side. Saying they, would ne- they wouldn't need the new capacity they were building, that was a mistake, clearly. And, yeah. and they know from past history how much inventory sellers ship in for the holidays. So they know that, and that hasn't really changed. And so that just seems to me like a, Amazon's not incompetent overall. Oh, yeah. They have a lot of smart people there, even though we get frustrated with them at times. But on this particular issue, there's some incompetence evil, in their If you're giving me evil or incompetent... It's more probably yes, incompetence yes, than evil. I think yeah. they did... This is more... They missed on a bunch of forecasting issues and screwed things up rather than they hate they hate sellers. Yeah. I think that's not really the case. The other, other thing I got to note on the... Uh, not incompetent side of things is I'm seeing reports as recently as like yesterday where big companies, Uber, Lyft, um, other tech companies are drop. They're cutting staff 10%, 15%. Yeah. Are we, is what, are they just playing? Are they two steps ahead of us where they're like, Hey, well, we don't want to invest all this in, into a warehouse. You know, if we're going to head into a recession that like, like some are predicting, uh, you know, I, I the killer Maybe is, though, Amazon's forecasts are they still grow through the recession. They just grow less, mm-hmm. less fast, right? So they're still going to grow. I think we, there are a lot of layoffs. So layoffs are tending to happen, though, in tech right now. And if you're in tech and you just got laid off because Elon Musk bought Twitter and is firing you, mm-hmm. for example, you're probably not looking at an Amazon warehouse job is the replacement <laughs> for that. So that's probably not – that job pool probably doesn't flow into working in the warehouse. Um for service industry jobs, which do have some interchange with the warehouses, those are still understaffed. So you still have restaurants with low staffing issues that reduce their hours or days open because they can't find enough staff. That's still live, and I think that's that's more the labor pool you're exchanging with at the warehouse level. Mm-hmm. And so they may still be having some of those issues. They also are they are wary, or at least analysts are wary, but I believe Amazon Inside is. Um, that some of their fulfillment centers could shut down during Black Friday because of unionization efforts. So that's a very real thing. Um, they've had union votes in multiple warehouses, uh, multiple fulfillment centers over the past uh, over the past month. Um, 
that's a real, I think there's a real threat lingering out there um, as well. Okay, should we go topic number four? Topic number four. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna introduce this one too because this is this is Andy. This is one of yours yep. here. Um, that Twitter should partner with Meta for ad targeting and split the revenue since Twitter's audience targeting is garbage. Straight garbage. I'm just quoting you on this. Yes. So. Yep. Give us, uh, elaborate on your hot take here. So, I'm I spend a good amount of time on Twitter. The business community, investing, whatever. Uh, real estate, whatever, leadership. There's a there's a good audience out there. The ads that the ad quality that I see on Twitter compared to Facebook, for example, or LinkedIn when I'm on LinkedIn as well, is just terrible. Like there's stuff that shows up as sponsored posts on my Twitter feed that I can't even like comprehend. I get I get nothing right. Well, like and, I don't understand. And I've had to place ads on Twitter before too, so I can tell you there. If you're used to placing ads on Facebook or lately on Google Performance Max, which gives you great targeting, uh, Twitter's targeting options are very very right. limited. Right. And so so Elon has laid off. I think they've reported as fifty percent of the staff. I don't know if that's. I think they they've. I, I don't think they have. I, maybe they have laid them off by the time we're recording this. There was the initial announcement of seventy five percent of staff were going to be laid off. Then he said that wasn't true, but then he started laying people off. Yeah. So I don't know where the real number is as we speak. Yep. Um, if you are at a C level position or a board member, you're gone. <laughs> that's already. <laughs> that's salary. already. That's go. already dropped. That that was the that was like minute one after he took it over. So. You've got a massive reduction in staff. So, so if if I'm Twitter, I'm saying, okay, well, how do I get twice the results with half the cost? Well, you can significantly improve your ad revenue by taking a fifty percent cut of, you know, from letting Facebook install their retar- their targeting algorithm. So yours would be basically you let you let Meta run your ad platform. Yeah, and you just you just you know what you take take a cut of it, and then you don't have to invest in. The, the R&D, you don't have to come up with your own algorithm. You, you just, you know what I mean? And then you develop that partnership in a way where you you can generate revenue from it. That's so my take. That's, my take is on that is that probably would make Twitter more ad revenue. It is never going to happen. <laughs> um, because there's a Elon, there's too many big billionaire egos in there and they're not going to ever work together. Well, that kind I, of stuff. I mean, that's could be, but uh, I guess like, if you're if you're looking at and again I the, all through the lens of how do you how do you double your revenue if you're Twitter mm-hmm. so you, so that I mean people have have tried to say that Elon's gonna you know basically flip Twitter he's gonna cut the costs he's gonna increase revenue try to take it back yes public the Elon again. the Elon fanboys yeah. who by the way hey. just because you're an Elon fanboy does not mean that Elon's gonna make you rich too oh, yeah. we should just we should just put that out as a public service announcement not as a hot take. <laughs> Public service announcement, blindly liking everything Elon does does not mean Elon's going to make you rich. Yeah. And I, I don't want like, to... shouldn't have to be said, but it has to be said. It has to be said at this point. I'm not trying to, to promote what the guy is saying. I'm just, I'm just putting that out there as a, a valid way forward and a, a way that he could, he could accomplish that goal. And it could drive... Like, I think Twitter is a big under, underutilized platform with eyeballs, with, with attention for direct consumer. I don't yeah. know how, how to get more sales and, and conversions out yeah. of Twitter it, ads. It has never been huge for that, even though the potential seems like it's there. I think, I think Elon's plan right now is to charge uh, 20 bucks a month for the blue check mark and then, and then repost and uh, retweet uh, uh, 
conspiracy theory and uh, racist statements. That's kind of that kind of seems like where it's going right now. It's my hot take of where he thinks he'll get the uh, momentum back. But I'm just looking at the actions, not the words, and that seems to be what what is happening so far. Yep, 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 yep. Alrighty, that <laughs> All right. is hot take. Our, let's see here. That was oh, you you blacked it out on our notes. That was number no, four. That okay, was number four. So We're number five, number, four. number five, hot take. Um, let's throw this one out there. Um, and this one, this one may be fast because this is kind of an evergreen. It's not a. Most of these have been fresh topics that are active right now, but this one's been out there for a while, but it still gets discussed. This hot take came from our team. If you're not doing free shipping, you're just dumb. That is the hot take. Andy, are people dumb for not doing free shipping? Yes, one hundred percent. You know, uh, that it's so funny to me that. Like people don't realize that you just include shipping costs in the retail price of your product because that's a that's what Amazon has done. I mean, it's like uh, if I could get a cheaper product but then have to pay shipping, like people just want it all rolled up into one. So figure out how much it's going to cost you to ship on average for every single product in different configurations, include the shipping, and then just figure it out. And then yeah. I just, I don't get it. Right? And, I, and I know there, there are certain categories where the pushback on this is fair, but in most categories, we've even run the test, right? We'll run, run a product at one price. We'll then run it at a different price. The conversion rate goes way up. I, and, and I think what everybody misses is the cost of acquisition is it's oftentimes your biggest cost outside of the actual cost of goods to produce your product. And if you pay all that to acquire the customer and get them in, and then they don't convert because there's added shipping, which happens a lot. You know, you're just really increasing your cost of acquisition way up. And we've seen where, you know, if a product costs $15 and then you're spending $5 in shipping, and then you list the same product for 20 bucks on your site, the conversion rate of anybody who gets to that product page is usually about 30 to 50% higher. And even though the math is the same, even though the price you'll pay is the same, the conversion rate is usually at least 30% higher on it. So effectively by doing that, you're not giving the consumer any better deal, but you're reducing your acquisition cost by 30% um, to get customers in. You're going to be more profitable with it. That's how it almost always works. The few exceptions I would say to this are people who have big bulky products sometimes where, just, where the shipping's so variable you really can't price in or it really makes the price go way, way up to an unreasonable number mm -hmm. to where that new number becomes the resistance point for the conversion. And for some of those, yes, it's going to make sense if you have a big, bulky product where shipping's a shipping's not just kind of an afterthought price; it is a significant number. Mm -hmm. Then it can make sense to break it out, and often does, right? That's that's the time where I see the exception. But yeah, in most cases, upping your price and adding to free shipping is going to get you more sales and more profits. Yep, flat out. Yeah. Um, so in most cases, yes, if you're not doing free shipping, you're just dumb. Is Maybe, sorry for anybody who's offended by that, but it's mostly true in most cases if we're in hot take land with that. Figure it out, make more money. Do we have time for one more? Yeah, let's do one more. Okay, so one more. And this one is, um, this is more of a 2023 second half is where this becomes relevant. The hot take here would be by these, and this is for e-commerce marketers, right? You're selling products. Um, you're selling products with digital ads. By the second half of 2023, targeted advertising on video streaming services will become a major portion of digital ad buys. Um, and by video streaming services, not just talking YouTube, which already has ads, right, but talking about Netflix and Disney and Amazon Prime Video, all of which are launching ads within their product offerings here or offering ad tiers that are less than their non-ad tiers. 
and all of which are saying they're going to be making a lot of money on this uh, at some point in 2023 once they're all set up. Hot take or overreaction? Uh, I mean, I, I just I believe in this one, so I'll say uh, it's a hot take uh, because I just I just I seeing the evolution of TikTok and video production and the way that that has all gone and the targeting options for digital video um, and where people's attention is. I don't, I would say it might depend on uh, who you are as a retailer. You know, this might be a big brands first kind of a thing yes. before it goes to the, to the little guys. But I, I fully believe that this is, yeah, this is going to happen. And background behind this, uh, they're all going to, it's going to be, there's been this pressure for a while of broadcast TV or cable, you know, inline TV, right? It is just, that has had been for years, for decades, the dominant place where most ad dollars move. Mm -hmm. That's become less and less effective. There's been less and less reach as people cut the cord, as people go more to streaming services. And some of that money has flowed into, Facebook benefited from that for a while. Um, you know, retail media like at Amazon is benefiting from that because some of those dollars are moving there. But there's been this pressure of it. A lot of it stayed there, even though it doesn't make as much sense. And the return has gone down because there's not a comparable place to put it. Mm -hmm. And so I think with these streaming services, launching ad platforms, you're going to see finally the pressure release off of that and the dollars that are being spent on broadcast, which are, by the way, are inefficient because you're not targeting really anybody. Who, and I know every broadcast TV media salesperson I know will tell me it's actually targeted because you can target by which program you buy. It's not targeted in the sense that we doing digital yes. advertising would look at targeting at all. Right. Um, it's yes, you get every watcher of this show, but you're not targeting by interest by anything. You know, with these, with a Netflix or a Disney or an Amazon Prime video ad, you're going to be able to target to that user by their demographics or interest or whatever you need to target by that. So it makes it as targeted as other digital ad services. But it's the on-the-couch experience watching it. I do think it's probably big brands first because it's mainly going to be an awareness tool at the start. You're going to, mm -hmm. if you need to up your awareness, this is probably going to become one of the biggest, if not the biggest, channel for increasing awareness. Um, I do think there are some roadblocks to it. I think there's roadblocks in that the industry is pretty fragmented. You know, at the in the later days of broadcast, to the last fifty years of broadcast TV, it was pretty standardized. You could buy, you would buy this much reach and frequency. Here was the prices. You would know what you were getting. Um, you really don't know. And there's my, a lot of disagreement between Netflix, Disney, and Amazon and other streaming services about how they measure the ads, how they measure impressions, how they mm -hmm. measure, uh, how they measure effectiveness, what repeat is. There's just a lot of uh, confusion out there. And there's also the same privacy issues that have knocked Facebook on its butt right now um, are going to affect this to some extent too, of how tightly can you target? Because you can target as well as any other digital ad, but you can't target digital ads as tightly as you used to be able to. So there's going to well, be those things. I mean, the, the thing about up. that is a Disney plus or Netflix or I think some of that is missing a little bit. So Disney plus might be under me and Netflix might be under my wife. And you know, you got some different yeah. profiles and that they have some usage you know, behavior yes. to them, but they're not, they're and not. And that's, that's part of the confusion right now is how yeah. are you managing versus, are you managing versus the account, the household? Cause mm -hmm. the account can be under your profile, but you may sit down as a family with your two young children to watch. Mm -hmm. Right. So who really are you showing things to? So is it as personalized as say thumbing through Facebook, which we know it's right. If we're targeting 
Andy Solhoff were getting Andy Solhoff on mm-hmm. the Facebook ad. Yeah. Um, so there's that as an issue out there. Um, they're going to resolve some of these things first. Um, yeah. That to to uh, not first. They're going to do it. I mean, it's going to become a big deal. They're, and by also, we should also say like the pre-purchases. So they had their media pre-buying was last month or the month before where they offer, hey, here's you can make your initial buy and inventory for this, so we can make sure we have enough buyers. It all sold out. All their pre-buy all sold out. Oh, did it really? All these, yeah. So, and and that said, there have been some video services that have sold out their pre-buy and then flopped. Uh, <laughs> that is also possible. Yep. But these services already exist. I mean, they're not going to go down because of this. They're not new services. They already are out there. Um, the the issue for us is, you know, we've bought when we buy ads for e-commerce, we're mainly buy, we're buying a lot of Amazon ads. We're buying Facebook. We're buying Instagram. We're buying some TikTok. That's that's where most of it's gone for us as a seller on here um, or somebody helping other sellers. How do we integrate this in? Like broadcast TV is not in our buying profile right now. So it's going to be major changes for us. And I think any other e-commerce uh, shop is going to have an influence on too. Do you need to start integrating this? How do you? Nobody quite knows yet. Well, is, it, is, it more, it is it more like a digital buy or is it more like buying broadcast? And yes. I would make the case that it's more like buying digital than it is buying broadcast. Yes, it's going to be, well, they've all pledged Although, to be more like buying digital. Yeah. But what that exactly means, all of these are new platforms, right? Um, well, and we're in political season now. Yeah. Uh, yes. Hope, so over, hope, by the time yeah, this If I airs, watch any probably, live TV, yeah. which I watch my live TV through Hulu live streaming, right? But there's, if I watch anything that's lo- that's that's a, if I watch the local news through that, it is nothing but nonstop political. political ads, right? Yeah. Um, and we're based in Iowa, and Iowa's a political hot potato all the time, anyway. So fine, but I think it's not that different from most other places right now either. So, um, but yeah, how do you go in there? And that's going to be to any e-commerce seller that realizes, hey, this needs to be part of our mix. Does this replace part of the awareness we were getting on Facebook or other display channels? Is it a more effective? Is our product more effective for that? Sit- sit at home on the couch experience mm-hmm. on it. Do we think it's not just a uh, awareness? Do we think it actually people will like look at this and it drives a direct conversion? Make a purchase, it, um, make a purchase off of it, right? Um, those are all going to be new. And that's, you know, with these combinations of Facebook struggling as it has, um, you know, the rise of TikTok, the re-rise, I guess, of like uh, affiliate marketing uh, and uh, influencer marketing and it's kind of new content creator format. And this emerging the media landscape in 2020, I mean, it's changed a lot in 2022. The changes coming in 2023 are likely much more dramatic, Ooh. given all these changes happening. Bonus hot take number seven. I think, yeah. That I, well, I think the media landscape, the change year to year in the media landscape by the end of 2023 is going to be one of the most dramatic we've had in a couple of years. Um, not the most dramatic ever because the launch of, you know, when Facebook launched, and I mean, we've, had, we've seen newspapers die. We've seen broadcast TV in its death in its kind of death throes we've seen radio get crushed um there's been bigger changes but this is in the world of digital media i think there's a 2023 is a year of pretty massive change coming up all righty well those are our hot takes here q4 2022 thank you tim i hope you enjoyed this episode listeners thank you for for checking us out you agree you disagree let us know we'd love to hear from you if not we will catch you again next time see ya Thank you.